0: Father, for your word. Thank you for this special time of the year. Open your word up to us now, we pray, by your Holy Spirit and for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Well, I was going to ask if any of the children wanted to come and show off their Christmas presents, but they all seem to have disappeared, so I won't do that, unless any adults want to come and show, show off their Christmas presents. Well, I hope you've all had a great Christmas with all it involves. You have? Good. Well done, Alice. Yes. Food and drink, presents and decorations, Christmas trees and carols, family reunions... Cards, letters from friends, and so on. But Christmas Day was last Tuesday, and we move on from there. And next Tuesday is New Year's Day, and we pass from 2012 into 2013, with all it may bring for us. The family of Jesus, the child himself with his mother Mary and her husband Joseph, moved on from the manger and stable. Indeed, by the time the wise men came, the family had moved into a house, as Matthew 2.11 tells us. But before that, soon after the baby was born, there were important ceremonies that had to be carried out. And Luke tells us about them In chapter 2 of his gospel, Jesus had to be circumcised on the 8th day of his life, in common with every Jewish baby boy, right up to the present time. Then there was his naming, being given the name Jesus, as the angel had instructed Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Then on the 40th day of his life, he was presented to the Lord in the temple at Jerusalem, and Luke tells us of a very special encounter there with the priest Simeon. And today's reading from Luke 2 is all about this meeting. In these few verses, we learn a lot about Simeon, things which show how fitting a person he was to meet and greet the infant jesus and his family in the first place luke tells us that simon was that simeon was prepared for such an encounter his character is described in verse 25 as righteous and devout righteous meaning upright in his dealings with other people, devout in his devotion to the Lord. Moreover, we are told that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. In other words, he was looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, God's chosen servant, who would bring comfort and joy to his people. And in addition to all this, Simeon was so in tune with the Lord through possessing the Holy Spirit that he had been told that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ, verse 26. So Simeon knew that in his lifetime, God's purposes would take a great step forward. He was not content with things as they were, but was prepared to see the Messiah, the Christ, for himself, an expectant to anticipate the great things that God would do through the Christ, the Messiah. Are we, I wonder, as good as Simeon in waiting expectantly and longing to see what great things God will do in our day, maybe through us. Then in the second place, Simeon was perceptive, verses 27 and 28. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple on the right day and at the right time to meet Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. When he met them, Simeon recognized in the child the long-promised Messiah. He was so in tune with the Holy Spirit that of all the baby boys brought into the temple at that time. (coughs) Of all the baby boys, he recognized this one. To be the Lord's anointed, the one of whom Old Testament prophets have spoken, and the one concerning whom he had received that special promise. On the face of it, there must have been little, if anything, to distinguish Jesus <coughs> from any other forty day old baby. But Simeon knew that this one was special. Have you, I wonder, ever had a God-given insight about someone or something? A revelation, maybe, that came at an important moment for you or someone else. Then in the third place, Simeon was praiseful if there is such a word, as indicated by his poem or song, thank you, known to generations of Christians as the Nunc Dimittis, from the first two words in Latin of this song. Having recognised that the child Jesus was indeed God's Messiah, it was very fitting for Simeon to express his praise and worship In the words of verses 28 to 32, he referred to God's promise to him and asked to be dismissed in peace now that the promise had been fulfilled. My eyes have seen your salvation, he said, showing that he realised that this small baby Embodied all that God was going to do to bring about salvation, redemption, deliverance, forgiveness. Then, remarkably, <clears throat> Simeon acknowledged that this salvation was for all people, and he made it even more explicit in his closing words a light. For revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to to your people Israel. So unmistakably, Simeon's concept of God's salvation embraces Gentiles as well as Jews. It embraces the outsiders as well as those who consider themselves to be insiders. All people, all nations people of whatever background would be able to benefit from the salvation that was embodied in this tiny baby and one day would be accomplished and made available through him. What sort of person was Simeon? Prepared, perceptive, praiseful and finally prophetic. Prophetic. Verses 33 to 35. Clearly, from what we've seen already, the coming of Jesus brought great joy to Simeon and would bring great joy to the whole world. But there were also darker truths to be faced. And Simeon, as a true prophet in the mould of the Old Testament prophets, did not hesitate to spell them out. Hence our title today, Some Somber Words. Mary and Joseph marvelled at what Simeon said about their child, and when he blessed them, he had some somber prophetic words concerning both Jesus and Mary. This child was indeed God's salvation come in the flesh. But the fulfillment of his destiny would involve trouble, grief and anguish. Simeon said first, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. Meaning that those who believed in Jesus would be raised up while for those who did not believe, he would be a stumbling block over which they would fall. Then again, as Simeon said, Jesus would be a sign that will be spoken against. Here is foreshadowed the bitter hostility that the words and deeds of Jesus attracted from his critics, especially the Jewish religious leaders. And so revealed the thoughts of many hearts. And these prophetic words of Simeon underline the divisive nature of the person and the work of Jesus. It is certainly not all sweetness and light. It is a very far cry from the sanitized impression given by many a carol and Christmas card and countless nativity plays. Listen to what Jesus himself said in St. Matthew chapter 10. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Somber words indeed from the lips of Jesus himself. And Simeon's final words were for Mary herself. And I wonder what she made of them and how she reacted on being told, a sword will pierce your own soul too. Righteous and devout Simeon must have shrunk from saying those things to Mary. But as a true prophet and an obedient servant of God, He had no choice. A sword will pierce your own soul. That's the reason why I put in the Christmas tree there amongst the decorations a sword to remind us of these words spoken to Mary. Let's think of some of the happenings which would remind Mary of what Simeon had said. There was the exile in Egypt after the visit of the wise men. The angel of the Lord said to Joseph, Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. It had been lovely to receive the homage and the gifts from these exotic strangers, but not so good to have to pack up quietly and secretly and make a midnight journey to Egypt, away from Herod and his murderous rage. Mary began to feel that sword. Then there was the slaughter of the babies at Bethlehem on the orders of Herod, determined to wipe out this rival king of the Jews at all costs. In the last fortnight, we've heard of another slaughter of children in Newtown, Connecticut. And we can well imagine the appalling grief of those parents and the whole community. Mary too must have been deeply moved and greatly upset when she heard of the murders at Bethlehem. Here was a literal sword coming very close, indeed. Then, moving on over the years, we come to the time when Jesus, aged 12, was left behind in the temple uh, at the feast of Passover. <clears throat> he was safe in the temple, yes, indeed. And when his parents eventually found him, after three days, he was surprised... Uh, Their anxiety and rebuked them gently saying, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Here is the first sign of a rift growing between mother and son. Passing on to the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, we come to the event described in Luke chapter 4, the hostility to Jesus at Nazareth. Jesus was becoming known and one Sabbath he went into the synagogue at Nazareth, his hometown. He preached at the synagogue service and enraged the locals by saying that God loves the Gentiles and isn't just concerned for the Jews and proved it from Old Testament scripture. This was too much for the congregation to stomach. And so they rushed him out of the synagogue and to the edge of a cliff, intending to throw him down and kill him. But he walked through the crowd and went on his way. But what must Mary have thought as she felt the reaction to him in her own hometown? That sword was cutting deeper. As the ministry of Jesus proceeded, he gathered large numbers of followers. And at one point, according to Matthew 12, his mother and brothers came and wanted to speak with him. And when someone told him that they were outside the house where he was, he showed that he had a new family who took precedence over his blood relations. Pointing to the disciples, he said, Here! are my mother and my brothers. Those who do God's will are Christ's family. There is a spiritual relationship which goes beyond and goes deeper than human relationships. Perhaps you find it so within your own family and it can be hurtful. Mary must have felt the pain and the sting of what Jesus said, another sword thrust. And lastly of course it was the crucifixion of Jesus that drove the sword point home right into Mary's soul. She stood by the cross watching the nails being hammered through hands and feet, the spear. Piercing his side. Now she really knew the full agony of what Simeon had meant. A sword will pierce your own soul too. Yes, it was true. The nativity story is wonderful. Centering on the amazing fact of God becoming man the word being made flesh in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate to the ready obedience of Mary and Joseph, the praises expressed by the shepherds and the worship offered by the wise men. And from today's reading, we can learn how Simeon was prepared and perceptive, praiseful and prophetic, And we see too something of the cost of the story of the birth of Jesus and what it led on to, both for Jesus himself and for Mary. If God calls you or me to do a particular task, he doesn't promise us an easy ride. Sometimes it brings with it hardship and heartbreak, And difficult choices. And maybe as with Mary. Something like a sword piercing to the depths of one's being. But God knows what it's like. God knows what he is doing. God is fulfilling and carrying out his purposes. And he promises us the strength to cope and the endurance to see things right through to the end, as Mary did. So on this last Sunday of 2012, may God bless you richly, and may he give you the strength and grace and stamina for whatever he may call you to in the coming year, and all the years that lie ahead. May God bless you richly. Amen.